Um, I'll do like, a, I think last week it went well. I'm going to tell you again, we're going to be gracious. And they were prickly, but I don't have anybody to debate with, so it won't get prickly because I've got the microphone. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we don't want, well, that's not what we're here for anyway. But I, I, I think it's probably necessary that I be clear that I'm a Trinitarian and there's no debate in my mind. That probably needs to be, you know, uh, and, and I'll even be frank uh, there's, there's doctrines that I don't agree with that I, 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 I read a lot this way because I think it's important to know, to know what's out there. And there I find doctrines that I don't agree with that I can see maybe where they got it. I can't see this one. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I can't, my mind can't get around it. it I, I can't even see it. But, I, but I, I'll say what I said last week. Much of the argument between the laity, that's very important. Most of the arguments between the laity of, of Trinitarian Pentecostals and Oneness Pentecostals are, are um, uh, nomenclature. We agree on more than we don't agree on. Now, like I say, if you go watch that program, um, you will see some prickles and some and it really comes when, when scholarship meets uh, something it can't defend. And that's, that's when you see hackles get up a little bit, a little prickly. But anyway, we are going to, um, we're going to teach and explain and be gracious and understanding that uh, I believe the vast majority of people love Jesus <laughs> and are looking to get to Jesus, get to, get to heaven by the blood of Jesus. And as I said last week, you can have a lot of things wrong if you got Jesus right, but frankly, you can take, you can take modalism to the point that you don't have Jesus right, and then you end up in a cultic situation. That's just, let's be frank about it. I don't want to I don't want to be so gracious that I'm being disingenuous, that people have ambiguity about where I stand and where I believe the Word stands. And I'll say the things I opened with last week, and again, explaining terms, um, oneness doctrine is considered heresy by the church world. And that's a big term uh, that I always want to explain because heresies simply mean, when people throw that out today, oh, I'm not a heretic, you know, uh, most of the people throwing that around don't even know what the word means, and they're, they're mad, and they're whatever, etc. Heresy literally means a Christian doctrine outside of orthodoxy. Uh, that's literally what it means. And there's no clearer, uh, I hope I'm being uh, precise and concise as possible, there's no there's really no clearer definition of the word than oneness doctrine because oneness Pentecostals are literally the only Christian group in the world that believe that doctrine. So it's clearly outside of Christian orthodoxy. What is Christian orthodoxy? The, the, the accepted norm of teaching. Does that make sense? So... Well, and before we even go, any questions or comment just on the opening statement tonight? Questions or comments? Just don't throw anything at me.
Yes. Yes. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the in the in the um, well, if you watch that debate show I'm telling you about, you will find out very quickly that the leadership of the United Pentecostal Church International says that Trinitarian doctrine is pagan, and um, that comes down. Like I said, I'll say what I said last week. That began in 1915, 16, and 17. Before that, it had not been seen since the third century. Modalism was seen in the third century. Between the third century and 1915, it was not seen anywhere. Um, so there's that. But at the same time, I give a lot of leeway to misunderstanding on plain reading. We should read the Bible in plain reading, but when somebody is not good with languages and doesn't study word studies and stuff, in other words, before scholarship, let's say it that way, on the subject, I would give a lot more room than I, am, than I do now. And the reason I say that is because the words mean what they mean. The words mean what they mean, and in and, and, and Hebrew and Greek, translated to English, and and well, in English, the words mean what they mean. And when you get into things like tenses and antecedents and prepositions and participles, <laughs> they mean what they mean. And if you deal with the words, how they are written and what they mean, then you have to deal with what it says. And that's all you can do. If you, if you refuse to do that, that is willful ignorance and it's a problem now having said that I, I, I do have a problem with either group putting people in hell and they do that and leadership does that in particular and the fact of the matter is is we kind of alluded to it there are churches within that realm of thinking there's, of course, the United Pentecostal Church International is the largest oneness group, but they're not the only oneness group. But there's a lot of independence in that group. But the basic doctrine of oneness is, is the same across the board. Uh, much of, there's more similar in, that, in those realms than, than, um, than differences. Um, what was I going to say at the end of that? <laughs> Um, oh, there are definitely places that take it into cultic activity. But, now, and I'm not trying to smooth it or qualify it or anything else. That's just a fact. But I, <laughs> I found in my own fellowship that we're in a position right now where you're, for the last 15, 20 years, where we're not supposed to ask questions. When, you, when a fellowship, any fellowship, hear me, when any fellowship comes to a place where you can't ask questions of its leadership and expect to get answers, something's wrong. And any, anybody, regardless of, you can have absolutely perfect doctrine. 
and get off into cultic situations. That comes from leadership issues. When, when leadership, when, when, when questions can't be asked and answers answered in a meaningful way, you just shut up and trust me. That's how you get Branch Davidians and Jonestown and uh, what was the flying saucer people in California? I can't remember. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, some of them, I mean, half of California is just flying saucer people, but that's another story. Uh, but y'all are, does everybody with me so far? And any questions are coming? Because this is, this is a subject where we, we do, we, this is a little different than the normal Wednesday night. We got there. We've gotten to this place in the routine of our normal Wednesday night where we're teaching through John. We usually teach you preachy. But we needed to address some doctrine. I mean, at some point you've got to address the elephant in the room. You know? So, so that's where we're at. Well, I'll, let's go there first. She brought up baptism. Uh, Ed, don't hear me. Everybody. Hear me. Everybody. Everybody. Jesus Christ said to be baptized. End of story. And so if, if a person is saved... And they don't get baptized, don't want to get baptized, refuse to get baptized. It's sin. Doesn't matter. Because one thing that's happened as a, as a back push to uh, oneness doctrine or Acts 2.38 where uh, salvation is dependent on water baptism is a pushback that made baptism unimportant. That's not true. Baptism is a command. Baptism is a command, period. And the Lord, the Lord told you to, and of course the book of Acts makes it obvious that, that baptism is a part of the Christian experience and the normative Christian experience. And, but what, if, nothing, if, if you don't understand baptism in any other way, form, or fashion, you can understand it in this way, that is an act of obedience. Because the Lord told us to be, to be baptized. Go to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. Be, the, the, there is a command to baptism. And if you don't get baptized, it's a sin. Now, is it salvific? I don't believe so. But it is sin, and it's not what God's intent. It's not God's intention, and it's not God's uh, order. It's He told us to do it. Now, in case you, some of you see, that's something that upsets everybody because you say to the oneness Pentecostals, it's not a salvation issue. They're they're offended if you say to Trinitarian Pentecostals or anybody else that it's that it's the, that you're sinning if you don't. That's well, no, He told you to. He told you to, period. And so when it comes to be a matter of salvation, we'll say, well, if you don't do it, then, you're, then it is salvation, that it's, that it's a salvation issue because it's a sin. Well, I will tell you something. If you're going to take that position, if, you've ever, if you're not paying tithes, then you're, you're disobedient. Now, are we going to talk about that not paying tithes is a salvation issue? 
Because I'm going to tell you, the pocketbook's the last thing that gets saved on anybody. And we, we may not do, it may not be the last week. <laughs> what else are we going to talk about that, that the Bible clearly teaches that somebody doesn't do? Are we going to put them in hell over it? Now, I got a friend <laughs> since we brought him. <laughs> I'm going to say what he says. You know, sometimes that's easier to say what somebody, to quote somebody. I have a friend that was, his daughter was engaged to, he's a preacher. His daughter was engaged to uh, get married. He was doing marital counseling with them for their wedding. And he wanted to talk to that boy. And he's, he's asking a few questions about the Lord and what he thought marriage was about. And he asked him if he was a tither. And he was, but he said, why? Somebody said, why did you ask him in marriage counseling, especially if it was going to be your son-in-law, if he was a tither? He said, but I'll tell you exactly why, because my daughter's not marrying a thief. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'll let him say that. And then I'll refer you to why he said that. <laughs> that would be Malachi chapter 3. And uh, there you go. And by the way, that is a big deconstruction movement thing today that tithing is no longer for the church. We're talking about oneness doctrine tonight versus Trinitarian, but if I, if I wanted to, I would spend the rest of the night explaining to you how that Abraham paid tithes till Melchizedek before the law. Before the law. And I would tell you to go to Hebrews chapter 7, which is definitely New Testament, and I would show you where the, where the priesthood the Levitical priesthood, that the, the, the priesthood of Melchizedek predated the Levitical priesthood. And that Jesus is a priest of the, out of, from the order of Melchizedek, not of, not of the Levites. And where Hebrews explains to you, if we, if we needed a new king and a new priesthood, uh, that he would have raised up a different order. But he put us... In, he put us in the original order, priesthood of the order of Melchizedek. Now, why does that matter? Because there's people saying that the tithe is not for today, that this is not for today, that when the Bible says that we're not in the Levitical priesthood, you're right. No, we're in the, we're in the order of Melchizedek. That's, Jesus is, is a priest from the order of Melchizedek, which is where the tithe originated. He said, if we needed a new system, I'd have raised up a new king and a new priest. But we went back, we went to Melchizedek. He was without lineage, without father, without mother. He, and who, that the, that the Levites paid tithe to through the loins of Abraham. Now that's just in brief. So in case you needed that, look up Melchizedek in Genesis, the king of Salem. Okay. In Hebrews chapter 7. You can, that's a quick reference. If you want to do your own thing, find out. How did I get there? Oh, obedience, baptism, it's obedience. And it's a testimony. It is, it is, it is the confession, or a confession of your faith. I won't spend much time on it tonight, but, 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 but truly, water baptism is to the new covenant what circumcision was to the old covenant. 
But I'll tell you one major difference besides the very obvious. Well, the very obvious is important because the old covenant worked through a patriarchal system. I don't know. I'll catch you up to speed. Women can't be circumcised. <laughs> but he talked about coming a time when it was a circumcision of the heart. And the, and the testimony, the testimony of regeneration, of, of, of being a born-again believer is water baptism. It is the seal of the covenant where under the old covenant, the seal of the covenant was circumcision. So, and the difference being is the new covenant is for whosoever will. That's a circumcision of the heart. There's no, it's neither, neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. We hadn't even read John chapter 6 yet. The, the question was, and hey, why not? We, we'll take care of her long we need, right? Isn't that what Wednesday night's for? He said, is there a wrong way to baptize? I was going to go about the name, but we'll go there. Jesus, in the Great Commission, Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, that's Jesus. You know, you know, much ado about Acts 38, baptizing in, the, in, in Jesus' name. And taking it as a formula. Now, I've told you last week, and I've told you many other times, I do not for one second believe anybody's going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for if they were baptized right. I do not believe that. Now, that's one difference. That's one grace that I've given that a lot of people won't. And that's certainly a grace that the one that's Pentecostals rarely will give. Is if you didn't, if you wouldn't baptize in this tank and with these words and these circumstances, then you're not saved. Now, that's not me saying that. That's their doctrine. I mean, that's a fact. I mean, that's really pretty indisputable. Now, that does that mean that Everybody that the laity in these churches all believe that it does not mean that. But if you, but if you are tied to the to the doctrine of oneness, okay, then that's what you believe. That you have to be repentance, baptism in Jesus' name. If it's not in Jesus' name, you wouldn't baptize right, and you're not saved. That's just indisputable. That's that's what they believe. Do I believe that anybody's going to give an account for? Argument over baptism? I don't, I don't believe that for a second. I didn't. For one thing, if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you've, you've made it. <laughs> you've made it. And do I believe that? that no, I do not. Uh, we could go back to words. I, I didn't bring all, everything out on that, but I'll answer it. If you go back to words again and you go back to the context again, and you're going to find that baptism in Jesus' name is by the authority of the name of Jesus. So do with that what you will. Generally speaking, as it relates to one, is there another layer that they consider before you're saved to, that you have to be baptized in the Holy 
Yes, that's speaking tongues. Yes. That that's, becomes the issue is this Jesus plus this and plus this. Now I, I'm going to say again, there's a lot of saved people in these churches. I, don't, I will not let anybody leave here and say that I said any different. Most of the argument on that comes from that way, this way, not this way, that way. But again, when you put people in a room that don't get all uptight uh, over these things, they agree on. But really, I think people having fights and wars, and when they get right down to it, they don't disagree. They may say it differently, but when you say, well, explain what you mean by that, you find out that you agree. But it, and if you want to look at formulas, is it in Jesus' name or is it in the name of the Lord Jesus or is it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or because that's all in Acts too. All of those, they're all in there. Now that's, again, that's not disputable. So which is it? But Jesus said to go to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's what Jesus said. Peter's address, he was talking to all Jews, all Jews. There wasn't any Baptist, wasn't any, well, I say all time, people call it Pentecostal. I, the Bible calls it Christians. That's why I'm not, I'm not even real, I'm not a big fan of the word Pentecostal. Now, when I say that, that makes some of my Pentecostals upset. I know what people mean in general, but I want to tell, I'll tell you right now for a fact, because there's sometimes where you live and where you're cultured at makes a big difference in what you think when you hear things. And I can assure you, uh, uh, Jeff and my mom and Heather could back it up, I'm sure. When you say Pentecostal down here, it means something completely different than it means where we're from. Down here, when you say Pentecostal, they assume you're talking about, when, they, when we say we're Pentecostal, They'll look, especially me here, they'll look at you. Wait, I mean, I'm talking people that are not even Pentecostal. I'm talking about just out and about. They say, well, you know, we're Pentecostal. Well, you don't look it. And I see here, the assumption is that Pentecostal is oneness Pentecostalism. Or there's a lot of Trinitarian holiness churches around here. But where we're from, oneness Pentecostalism is very obscure. They're around, but, well, you know, I told you that I've attended Northside Pentecostal in Fort Smith where Mickey Mangan's daddy was the pastor for years. And I'll tell you, when they have an event there, get out of the way because there's 4,000 of them coming because it's the only place big enough for all of them to meet at. Because they're going to come from half the state and half of Oklahoma. Because it's much more, it's much less common there than here. So when you hear Pentecostal, when you hear that term, it means something different. In, in the region or, the, or part of the country that you're in. But when we talk, when you, when you talk about somebody saved by the blood of Jesus, baptized in water, 
baptized in the Holy Spirit, that with the initial physical evidence of speaking other tongues, that still believes that the gifts of the Spirit are for today, that believes God never changes. The Bible just calls those people believers. That's what the Bible calls them. There's going to be people in the, millions of people in heaven, certainly, that don't believe some of the things that even the oneness Pentecostals and the, and the, and the Trinitarian Pentecostals agree on that the gifts of the, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today, the gifts for today that God never changes, we agree on that. There's going to be way more people in heaven that didn't never believe that. They're going to make it because they were saved by the blood of Jesus. They're just going to find out. They're going to know then. They're just going to find out that their denominational teaching, that they missed on, out on a lot of things of God on this earth. That, they're going to, that's what's going to happen. They're going to find out that Jesus did never change and that he did empower his church and he never intended for his power, his church to go out powerless and that they had leadership that began to explain things away because they couldn't explain why it wasn't happening. I believe that with all of my heart because this word, there's no evidence. We just cross over all of it tonight, Scott. There, there's nothing you can point to in this word that says that the gifts of the Spirit ended with the apostolic age. There's nothing in this word that says that God did still do miracles. There's nothing in this word that says that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues ended. There's nothing. My denominational brethren will point to things like 1 Corinthians 13. Talk about where there's tongues they will cease, but they won't talk about that knowledge shall vanish. They won't talk about that thing because it doesn't fit the narrative. It is, and it's disingenuous, frankly. I mean, I'm not being ugly. I'm, this is brothers. That's a family, a family dispute. But the fact of the matter is, is the only way you can support that is to leave stuff out. So if you're, gonna, you're either going to believe the book or not believe the book. And they're going to, uh, thank God, we ought to all stop for just a second. And just, because there's people that their that they're traditions, even though Paul addressed our traditions, said they're worthless. Your, our traditions are worthless. It doesn't line up with the word. If it doesn't line up with the word, our traditions are worthless. What Mamma said, it's not going to carry any weight with Jesus. It's just not. It's just not. But we ought to all take just a minute and just be very thankful that if I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in my heart that God, that God raised him from the dead, that I will be saved. Because it's with, with the mouth confession is made. It's with the heart one believes and with the mouth confession is made in salvation. We ought to all just thank God for that a minute. We really should because... There's things that people are going to miss out on this earth that God intended for them to have, and that's unfortunate. But, but the good thing about it is, is that if, they, if they kept their faith on, in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he done, they're going to spend it. They're going to have eternal life. And we ought to be just very thankful for that. And I tell you, I am very thankful for that. Uh, but <laughs> having trouble staying in one vein. Uh, I don't know how much time we, this is, this is why, uh, well, it needs to be addressed, but, and openly, uh, but you, but it's a long, dark rabbit hole. Um, 
It just, the, as simple as it is that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, and that is the way, it can get really off track and people just accept it as okay. You know, when you start putting, when you start put, I'm trying to think of, well, I guess I just need to say it because I just told a friend of mine, just that I started to say, I'm looking for a diplomatic way to say this, but I just told a, a very good friend of mine this week, I listen, well, it's Jason Stidham. I said, listen, Jason, I'm not looking for a diplomat. <laughs> I'm not looking for, the, the church, the, there's no diplomats in the five-fold ministry. It's just preach the word. Preach the word. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Commence, exhort, rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. That the men will be thoroughly equipped. When you start putting salvation issues on baptism and communion, and last rites and anything outside of Jesus Christ and him crucified then you're going to get into problems very very quickly in fact anything outside of Jesus Christ and him crucified for salvation is a problem and let me say it a different way it is a false doctrine it is a false way it is it is wrong period Mary can't do anything for you the rosary can't do anything for you. The baptismal tank or the sprinkle is not going to do anything for you if you're not saved. The priest can't do anything for you. And so on and so on and so on. It, it is, that is dead religion and dead works. Period. And that, that upsets people because I always... Why does it upset people? Because they got to deal with grandma. <laughs> Well, you ain't going to tell me my mamma wasn't saved. No, I'm not. Your mamma's salvation is between her and God. But I will tell you, if mamma's not getting there any other way, because he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So mamma's not going to get there through the tank. Mamma's not going to get there through the box. Mamma's not going to get through there through Mary, who was dead and buried. <laughs> Mary, Mary. Mamma's not going to get there through, through communion. Mamma's not going to get there through any of those things. Mamma's going to get there through the blood, faith in the blood of Jesus. Or if she didn't, then Mamma didn't get there. Your Mamma and my Mamma. And I am very, very happy to leave people's salvation and their soul in God's hands. And you should be too. I... There's things I can't see. There's going to be people that have perfect doctrine in hell. Do you know that? There are going to be people that know the book and have the doctrine right, but they never knew Jesus. But I, and I'm going to ask, now this is, this is the, um, this is where I was going to ask a second ago and it's, it's, it's a challenging question. Even for me, I thought, ooh. You know, sometimes I love that the Holy Spirit drops little nuggets in me right when I'm doing it. And sometimes I think, ooh. But I got a question for you. That's a hard one. Nobody brought rocks, did they? I, always th I, I check that out every once in a while because I don't want to get stoned. I'm, mm -mm. 
<laughs> What's the difference between What's the difference between Catholics and Lutherans and Methodists having, having their faith in the baptism water and Pentecostals having their faith in the baptism water? There is none. There is no difference. And I've never heard that question asked in my life by anyone anywhere. But it is a very valid question. Because the same people would criticize, well, they think sprinkling that baby is going to do anything. Well, if you think dunking in that tank is going to do you anything, if you hadn't repented and gave, and the Lord, the Spirit of God has to come into your heart. See, we're blinded by our own traditions and prejudices rather than what the Word of God says. See, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I just make everybody mad. <laughs> everybody mad. Then you get people say, well, you think you're the only one going. You're crazy. I can tell you right now, this preacher, there is no doubt in my mind that I, that I give people more grace and leave it in the Lord's hands more than probably anybody in the room. I know what the word says and it says it and it doesn't matter to me what you or I think about it. I literally don't care what you think about it if the word says it. I have never lost a night's sleep or wondered what you wanted me to preach to you. I literally do not care. It's not my job to care. My job is to preach the word. My job is like Paul said as he was leaving I have, that I have spared nothing. My job, my job is to, say, is, to, is to take this book and lay, and lay everything beside it. And if it says it, it says it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If it's in there, it's in there. If it's not, it's not. And it doesn't matter to me what the Assemblies of God, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Catholics, or anybody else has to say. I do not care. That's why I preach boldly. You can only preach boldly if you depend on the authority of the Word of God. Because otherwise, you're going to be worried about hurting people's feelings all the time. And so I, it's a valid question. If, you, if, if you're going to say, you know, if you think your salvation's in the tank, then their water's probably as good as ours. I mean, you I've seen some of the stuff that comes out of the tap here. It's pro we're probably more sanctified. We, live, we drink it and live through it. <laughs> Now, have I said anything out of line? And that doesn't make sense? That's not a valid thing to ponder? Do you know what hinders people more than anything? Is an unwillingness to think. An unwillingness to even consider that their tradition might have been wrong. They read the word, and when they can't reconcile it, you skip that part. It's either right or it's not. It's either accurate or it's not. It's either inerrant or it's not. I'm not talking about translation stuff here. I'm talking about 
rightly dividing the word of truth. It's either right or it's wrong. So, well, John chapter 6, I think. (laughs) Well, before we move, it doesn't matter how we do it to me, really. Before we move on, is there any more question or comment? You'll be filled. And just so it's said out loud, I've upset plenty of AG people too. And I was born in it. I'm an equal opportunity offender. (laughs) You know, there's things we just had to deal with. Yeah. Bed confession. Well, deathbed confessions is just like any other confession. If people believe in faith, then they're saved. If they're just running their mouth, then they're not. I mean, just like any other confession. Uh, while I'm throwing things out there, I should probably throw the, we threw the Catholics and the one that's Pentecostals under the bus for their water. We have to throw the Church of Christ in that too. They're going, the pay says that's the people that don't sing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's the people that don't sing in church. <laughs> no, they sing, they don't play in church. They don't do instruments in church. And I don't care, whatever. Whatever, to each their own. Uh, I, I don't want to get off. I'm no personal attacks. No, none of that. But uh, well, I'm talking about baptism as an issue. Baptism, if you... You're supposed to be baptized. That's what we got to, where we're, you're supposed to be baptized. If you don't get baptized, it's a sin. But to say that Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ wasn't enough to save me from my sin, that I have to be baptized and that I have to speak in tongues or I have to do anything. It's Jesus plus nothing. He's enough. Let me tell you what he said on the cross in his dying breath. It is finished. End of story. It's finished. It's finished. Period. So, John chapter 6. It, well, I'll ask one more time. Question? Well, we talked about last Wednesday. It says Jesus come up out of the water. You know, he come up out of the water. I mean, he was submerged. I think it's very clear that Baptist. Let me help you with something. And again, again, you can't you can't come up out of a, out of a sprinkle. But I'm going to say it again. Something. Do I think, do I believe the Bible teaches, well, let me just rephrase that. It doesn't matter what I believe. Let me rephrase it. The Bible teaches it's by immersion. That's what baptism, that's literally what baptism, the word even means. So let's just be, it doesn't matter what I think. 
and started to say, I think, it doesn't matter what I think. The Bible teaches that baptism is immersion. Jesus come up out of the water. I mean, how much more clear can you be? But do you know the English word baptize had to be created because there was nothing that described it? And the word means to submerge. That's what it means. Now, having said that, somebody, I thought, what's his name? Leon. Doesn't matter. They wouldn't know who he was anyway. Back in desert. Old man, up in years, got saved. He got saved. And the old man wanted to be bad. There wasn't no way he could get anything other than he, he barely took a bath, much less got in anything. Treadwell, Leon Treadwell. You know, they, they rolled him down to the White River and rolled him off in the White River on the boat ramp in, with his feet in the water and stuck a bucket and poured it over his head. You know what? That old man got baptized. You know what? That was a matter of heart. I'm just telling you. That's why I was telling you about salvation and everything a while ago. I ain't going to put you in or out because I can't see. Jesus said that there were going to be many on that day to say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy? Didn't I? And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You know what? Because he can see what I can't. There are going to be people in heaven that most of us, even me, would think there ain't no way they made it. And they're going to be there. There are going to be people that you would have put everything you had on that they would be there and they ain't. And that's in, that's in God's hands. And it won't be because it was a sleight of hand or a trick or they couldn't figure out how to do it. Salvation's easy. It's because it was, it, was never, it was never real to them. It was never a matter of faith. We're saved by grace through faith. It'll be mental assent and mental testimony. And I'm not prepared to preach on the other doctrines we're going to do in, in 17, or I would say something tonight that would blow it up, but I'm, I can't blow it up at three minutes after eight. But I believe there's a very good reason why there's going to be many that say in that day, Lord, Lord. Well, I will say this. I'll go ahead and say this much. You can read between the lines, even though the lines are not hard to read. The Bible says there'll be many in that day that say to me, Lord, Lord. They cannot believe they're not saved. What? Look at that for me, Matt. So I, let me, what's the address of many will say do you know? Look it up for me. Hey, we're, we're in that. Y'all, y'all are okay. Y'all seem interested. This is the most conversations ever went on in our service. 721. Matthew 721. Now I'm warning y'all, I'm about to throw a grenade in the middle of the room. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, 
But he who does the will of the Father, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? By the way, that tells you that devils can do signs and wonders. That's why you shouldn't be dependent on, well, I was there, I saw it with my own eyes. Experience is nothing. Experience is nothing. I've taught on that here. It's what does the word say? That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. It is literal. That's not figurative. We walk by faith and not by what we can see. Because Jesus even says in Matthew 24 that one of the deceptions is going to be through lying signs and wonders. I'll remind you that Pharaoh's magicians could throw down rods and become snakes. I'll remind you that Pharaoh's magicians could duplicate the four, that they were able to reproduce the first four plagues. They, that, it was real. It was signs and wonders. It was miraculous. And when, but when it, got to the, when it got to the lice, they couldn't do it. When it got to the gnats, whatever, they couldn't do it. Why? Because they can't produce life. God is the only thing that can produce life. He hit the dust, and when he hit the dust, God put respiratory systems and legs and wings into dust. And they couldn't do it because only God can create life out of nothing. But they were able to do signs and wonders. And he says, many, how many? Many will say to me, Jesus, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Well, lots of people prophesy. Did we not cast out demons in your name? Done wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them. You know who? Why? It's him because he's the only one who has the authority. The revelation. Who is worthy to, to break the seal? The revelation. Who is, that, who, who is worthy to break the seals? They looked at their only one. The lamb prevailed, and he was able to break the seal. And you know what? He, you know, he's a, he is the one that puts you in and out. And he says, he says and then I will declare to them, because he's the only one who can. I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. King James says, you worker of iniquity. How many? Look up, back up. Lord, Lord. I don't know how you read or any other way to read it, but that is genuine surprise. Do you, that is shock. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? They are, they, they are standing at the great white throne judgment here. It says on that day. Do you know when that day is? That's judgment day. They are shocked at where they're standing. So many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. You know why? Lord, can you? They know where they're at. I don't think I could produce the kind of despair and shock in my voice that, they're, that, they're gonna, that that's going to be. Lord, 
I mean, that's, they're pleading their case. I, you know, I'll tell you what they're doing. They're pleading their case, and there is no case to be pleaded. He says, that I, he said, Lord, Lord, well, have I not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done wonders in your name? He says, and I will declare to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of lawlessness. And I will submit to you that the many is going to be because of the many that were told they were saved and all right. And they wasn't. You're saved. Now and forever. You're saved. They were convinced by bad doctrine, bad teaching, unscriptural teaching that says that they were saved. And they're genuinely shocked on that day that he says, I never knew you. Depart from me. They're going to be people mad at me. Man, I'm developing on that, by the way. I'm going to, I believe it is rhema truth that that's where the many are going to come from. From the ages of people that have been told, I, I don't know, it doesn't matter how you live. You said a prayer when you were little. It doesn't matter when you, it doesn't matter that you live like hell. It doesn't matter. The grace of God's got you. Grace of God's not permission to sin. It's just not. It's the power of God in you not to. <laughs> and that, it doesn't say a few. It says many will say unto me in that day. There's going to be, hear me, on the same time, there's going to be people that you and I would have swore didn't stand a snowball's chance in hell that I'm going to tell you they rode the grace of God every day of their life. That they struggled and failed every day. But their heart was, God, I, I, I hate my, the way when I fail. I hate the way. I, I, I'm not overcoming and I, and, I, and I don't understand why. But if you don't save me, I'm not going to make it. And you and I don't see anything but the failure. But God sees that heart that, ha- that their faith is in the grace that saves. Now I'm going to tell you, there ain't going to be nobody. Hear me. Hear me. I don't care what denominations have told you. There is, going to, there is not going to be anybody accidentally make it to heaven. There is not going to be anybody casually make it in. Not one person. There's no such thing as casual salvation. There's no such thing as I live like absolute hell all of my life, but mama told me I was saved. There's no such thing as John Calvin's irresistible grace that you're going to get saved whether you wanted to or not, or you're lost whether you, whether you, try, whether you cried out or not. There's no such thing. The Bible doesn't support any of that garbage, and that's what it is. There's not, I, can, I can confidently say, that there's not going to be one person that accidentally makes heaven. Not one. There will not be one person that accidentally makes it. Uh, uh, there, has, there is a whosoever will gospel. And it's a, a will is, is, is I'm involved in it, that I, that I want to be saved. <laughs> that makes me want to preach a minute. That makes me want to talk to this entire world and say, throw that garbage out the door and open the book. I don't care what denomination you were raised in, mine or yours. What does the book say? 
What does it say? We're not, while we're, talk, we're not eternally insecure, but nobody's going to accidentally get there. Many will say unto me, they're going to be, je-. Scott, they sincerely believed it. Now people, oh, they're sincere. They sense those people right there, Lord, Lord, they sincerely believed the lie that they were told. They were just sincerely wrong. While we're on it, I don't care if I ever go back to the other for till next week or not, because this is where we're at. Somebody's watching right now, or somebody's in this room that needs to hear it, that needs to hear the truth of the Word of God. You're not going to accidentally get there. It's a made-up mind. It's a determined mind. It's an endurance. All through the Word of God, it's an endurance. We're not talking about dead works here either. The same, he endured to the end, what? The same shall be saved. What did Paul say at the end of his life? I've, I fought the good fight. I have finished my course. And now there is laid up for me. When? When he had finished his course. (laughs) Seeing that we're encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with diligence the race. Well, how? With diligence. King James says with patience the race that is set before us. It says looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. How long? Until the end. (laughs) We're singing, I am determined to hold out to the end. I am determined. (laughs) I'm, I'm determined. You know what else I'm determined to do? I'm determined to preach the whole counsel of God. I'm determined that people are not going to go to hell over silliness on my watch. I'm determined that people are not going to miss heaven because a preacher wouldn't tell them what the Word says. That I wouldn't challenge our thinking. That I wouldn't challenge our traditions. That I wouldn't challenge. No, I get no pleasure sometimes. Sometimes it's the hardest thing. You know, sometimes I wish I could be one of those cool cats that it was just really easy and we could build a big old church and everybody's fat and happy. But you know what? They're going to, that's not going to work in the end. No, I I think I'll just stay true. But more and more, the easiest thing you can do is not 
always comfortable, but the easiest thing you can do is just find out what the Word says and stand on that. And if people want to argue, get mad and spit, they're arguing, getting mad and spitting right here. May, 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 may the Lord shut my mouth if I step into my opinion and step out of this word. May he do it today. You got to live for him. And you can. I know what I was going to say. Listen, that, 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 that 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there's 17 verse, is so key. And by the way, it is in there. And it says, if a man be in Christ. Do you hear that first word? Did you hear the first word? If a man be in Christ, he is a new creation. If you're in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, remember, stop, look at it, take it in. Behold, all things are become new. I'll say it again. That verse disputes all that garbage because if you didn't change, you didn't get saved. Stand on it. Stand on it at Mamaw's house. Stand on it at Mama's house. Stand on it at your brother's house. Stand on it in God's house. Stand on it because if a man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. They change. If you didn't change, you didn't get saved. You're born again. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. All through the word. Paul was a murderer one second, an apostle the, sec- and the next second. Literally. Literally. And all through, as everyone else was. By the way, somebody needs to know Mary had to get saved. You know how I know? Because she was in Acts chapter 2. Because of what John said that there was coming, a promise of the Father. He said, it's a promise. The Holy Spirit baptism was a promise that the world could not receive. The world, what's that mean? The sinners. And I read in Acts chapter 2 where there was 120 people in the upper room when the Spirit of God came. And among them was Mary, the mother of Jesus. And you know what happened to Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the upper room? She was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. You know how I know that? You say, the Bible doesn't say that. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It says she was there, and it says, and they all were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. All of them. It named her specifically. And it's the last thing you hear about her in the entirety of the Word of God. I don't know why I'm continuing on her, but let me tell you what the last thing she said was. That's the last time you heard anything about her was in the upper room when she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. She was there that she was born again. 
Mary, the mother of Jesus. This means she was lost. There was <laughs> the last thing she had to say was in John, uh, I guess, chapter one or two, three. At the wedding of Cana, first miracle. The last recorded words were this. They said, he said, she came to Jesus and said, they're out of wine. And he says, what do you want me to do? My time's not yet come. She didn't argue with him. He, she just turned around to his followers. And she put salvation and living for God in a tweet. Mary had the first tweet. Bumper sticker. She put it on a bumper sticker. You know what she did? She put, she put the Christian life on a bumper sticker. She turned, he said, they're out of wine. He said, what do you want me to do about it? And my time's not yet come. And she turned and turned to his disciples and said, listen, guys. Whatever he says, do it. That's what she said. Whatever he says, Jesus, do it. And that is living for God in a sentence. Whatever he says, do it. He said, whoever loves me, keep my commandments. What's that say? Whatever I say, do it. Y'all didn't even let me get to Let us create man in our image. Which was Genesis chapter 1. First chapter. Let us create man in our image. Genesis chapter 11. Let us come down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Tower of Babel. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who shall go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. Talked about last week. This is where language matters. This is where the word, the Hebrew word here is, is, um, is, a, is talking about, it's not talking about a numerical number. It's not monos. That's a numerical number. Let us. It's where the pronouns are, are plural. This is not about a numerical number. This is a, this is a word that means in, uh, it's a, in union and accord and compound unity. In other words, the oneness is in the complete agreement and unity. There's one thing we all, everybody that names the name of Jesus Christ ought to be able to, to agree on. Is that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit agree. Because John says so. These three agree in heaven. What? The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These th agree on earth. Who? The Father, 
the Word and the Holy Spirit. There's a fundamental, we didn't even get back to, we could go, how long could we spend in John chapter 1? Which is in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. Everything was made by Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. Verse 14, the Word became flesh. This is truly where, where the conflict and the misunderstanding comes in the two doctrines. Is that the man, Jesus Christ, was not deity. And that's the bottom line. And he very much was. When they asked him, are you he? He said, I am. Now, we say he set aside expression of his deity. He operated as a man. He didn't come here doing miracles under his own power. He came here begotten of the Father, sent by his Father, empowered by the Spirit of God, and perfect obedience to the will of his Father. At 826, am I going to continue and pick that up again next week, or am I going to move on? Jeff says I am. Jeff says I'm, moving, I'm staying here and I'm not moving on. <laughs> Agree, yeah. All right. Am I here next week? I am. I'm here next week. I'm here for the next few weeks. I don't know. I'm here for the. <laughs> so if you don't have something, if you don't have a calendar, you just don't know where you're at. So next week, and, and we're early. I can keep. We're early. I can let you go, but you're going to stand out in the hall. Because uh, they're not done upstairs, I can assure you. So, uh, this would be a good chance if you got more comment or question. This is over the five years ago, this is really what we designed Wednesday night for. We teach through, but we want you to comment, question, start a fight, whatever. I don't want to fight you, I'm tired. <laughs> she, she fights me. Anything else? Any questions, comments? Things you've always wanted to know but you're afraid to ask? Things you always wanted to say and now you have the chance? There's lots. It is. Yes, you've got to understand what the word says. You got to. In context, from front to back. Uh, I say it all the time. It has to be true. All, everywhere, and all at the same time. Or it's not, or it's not correct. The, the first temptation and struggle with humanity wasn't to try to get humanity to be anti-God. No. But actually the reverse, to be more like to God. To be more like God. And that's where false religion really really shackle people is that you know you 
can't be more like God unless you're like this. Yeah. Well, I even mentioned the last few weeks, the little gods. Sure. That, that is actually the original, the original heresy. What, the, the serpent in the garden said to Eve, it says that God knows in the day that you eat that you'll be like him. Her desire, when she saw it, she said it was for good for food and she partook. The desire, the lie, the trick was to be like, to be a little God. And it just keeps reinventing itself. And, you know, it was big. It's still big in all the Word of Faith teachers. They all teach it. All of them. All of them. And you can name them all. They all teach little God's doctrine. It's wrong. And now today, it's hitting a new generation through a very charismatic uh, preacher in North Carolina named Stephen Furtick. He is the latest and the greatest I mean, he's taking a generation by storm, and he's, he's just as, it's just as heresy when he teaches as it was when he believed it. Yeah, I say people's names out loud, that makes people mad. But they don't, if you don't tell them, they don't know. Yeah, little gods, you're not a little god. <laughs> what else? What people thought of me? Oh, I had plenty to say. I just was, I, no, I cut it off. No, it's on there. If you go back and listen to it, it's on there. He, they have told me for years that there would come a day when I would get one of the swagger questions and I would be sitting like. <laughs> oh, I could have answered him for a fact, but it wasn't what I, what, Yeah. I started to say about the same thing they think about you. <laughs> and that would have been true. <laughs> the better answer if I'd have been, the diplomatic answer still would have been, we'll say, well, they don't invite me to their dinner parties. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> or anything else for that. They don't even invite me to the minister's meeting in the section. I'm not talking about, they don't invite me to their dinner parties. They don't invite me to their ministerial alliance meetings, which I don't care. I don't go anyway. And they don't invite the, they've never, they don't invite me to the sectional meetings. <laughs> yeah. And if I do show up, the conversation is far and few between. So what, anything else? I'm really not holding you. I'm just really telling you that they're not out. They won't be out yet for a minute. And if you've got a question. Acts 2.38. Oh, a hundred scriptures. The Lord thy God is one. Uh, I mean, there's, but it's a language issue. Yeah, it's a language. You've got to know what the words mean. And some false idea that people believe that there's three gods. I don't know anybody that believes that there's three gods. No, I don't know anybody that believes that there. But I'm always say people need to quit tripping up over. There ain't, the, the, there's a mystery of the Godhead that we're not going to understand until we see it. So, what else? 
Ice, water, and steam, ice, liquid, and steam. That's why I started out last week and saying again this week, most of what we fought over for 107 years has been nomenclature. How you say it. And go to war over it. And in the meantime, the church is divided. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Jesus loves you. This I know. Heard a Bible professor giving that. They ask him in front of graduate students at their at their commencement. They asked the doctor what was the most profound truth he ever learned in his studies. He said, "It's real easy. The grace, most profound truth I ever learned in my graduate studies was Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so." <laughs> Amen.